Welcome to Strictly Money. I'm your host, Sajal Patel. It's no secret that some of the biggest and most profitable companies are embracing the innovation trend. After all, it allows them to reap productivity gains and allow for different products and services. But with the tech landscape changing so rapidly, where do investors place their bets? Well, no one has their pulse more on the innovation trend than my guest for today's show. Kathy Wood is the CEO and CIO of ARC Investment Management, and she joins me now. Kathy, thanks so much for coming on Strictly Money. Um, I'm so excited to have you here because when it comes to tech and innovation, you have had your pulse on this for a very long time. And in fact, you have been talking about artificial intelligence or AI, I think before most people were. So maybe we can start with AI. Where do you think we stand with it right now? And and uh, what trends are you paying the most attention to when it comes to AI? Where do you think it's going to have the most impact? Sure, Sejal. Thank you so much for inviting me on Strictly Money. Thrilled to be here. So AI, yes, we've been talking about it since the beginning of the firm. When NVIDIA was five, we were there and we were there the entire way. And now it seems as though investors understand who the biggest picks and shovels play is out there. So the biggest hardware play is NVIDIA, bar none. They have done an amazing job at creating this market, actually, and speeding it along. For every dollar of hardware spent in AI, we believe the pull through to software is going to be anywhere from 10 to 20 times. So we're very focused on the software that many people are not as they're focused on NVIDIA. They really haven't migrated yet. And the other thing we're focused on is what is the productivity potential for any company harnessing AI? And so All of our portfolios look at each of the companies in each portfolio through the lens of AI. And there are four things we're looking for. One is domain expertise, especially in the new technologies. So if you look at sequencing technology, it's not just DNA, RNA, protein, it's methylation, epigenetics. So you get what I mean by domain expertise, uh, companies who really know what they're doing in these new technologies. Two is they have AI expertise internally. In other words, they're taking this movement very seriously. And that usually starts from the top. Three, uh, they have good distribution strategies, preferably globally. doesn't have to be one company alone. In partnership with others is good too. And then The fourth is proprietary data, data that no one else has. And so if you look at our portfolios, you'll find Tesla. Everyone knows we own Tesla. That is the biggest AI project in the world today. This idea that we're going to move into the uh, autonomous mobility age, starting with robo-taxis. Yeah, Kathy, I was looking at your holdings. Um, This is, of course, ARK Innovation, ETF, ARKK. For those of you watching, Tesla, biggest holdings. You also hold uh, Zoom and Roku and uh, Coinbase. So again, you're looking at this from an AI lens, or is there another type of tech that you're looking at? 
Well, in the case of Coinbase, I know they're using AI, but much more important to that story is what happens to the price of crypto assets in the years ahead. We think this is a new asset class. And basically what it's doing, this asset class, is creating technologies that in the early days of the internet, we forgot to build into the internet. That's all this is. And so we believe that Coinbase is gaining a lot of share from other exchanges around the world now that are struggling with regulatory pressures. Even though the SEC has put uh, Coinbase under its own regulatory pressures, it is the most regulatory compliant uh, name. Roku is simply the shift towards streaming media from linear TV. And again, they use AI in terms of tracking, you know, who's watching what and so forth. But the more important variable there is that advertising is going, there are about $165 billion of advertising that's going to shift from linear TV to streaming TV. And one of the biggest misperceptions about Roku is, and it's a question we get all the time, wait a minute, why? how could you invest in Roku when it's competing against Netflix and Disney and HBO Max, or Max as it's called now. And uh, I, I point out to them, you're helping to make my point. Roku is the platform that is hosting Netflix and others for streaming. It's one of the two major ones uh, in the US and Canada. And that's the other one, of course, being Amazon Prime. Yeah. Kathy, I, I know you're a big fan of, of Bitcoin a, as well as Ether, but you have pretty strong convictions when it comes to Bitcoin. Talk to us about why. Because I know when I talk to some people who are, you know, dabbling in the crypto space or in it, they tend to like Ethereum a little bit more just because they believe it has more practical use. Yes. Well, they're each targeting uh, a different part of the what we call crypto revolution or digital asset revolution. Bitcoin is has created the monetary revolution, whereas Ether has created and is hosting the financial services revolution. So just to put a finer point on that, Bitcoin is the first global, digital, decentralized, private, meaning no government uh, oversight, rules-based, that's critical, rules-based monetary system in history. It is a very big idea. And uh, when we split the two, the two opportunities between Bitcoin and Ether, we believe that in 2030, Bitcoin will have a network value or a market cap of about $20 trillion compared to really 650 to 700 billion right now. And Ether will have a value or a market cap closer to 5 trillion. So, and, and what is the financial services revolution? It's really what I explained earlier, building into the internet, that layer that in the early days of the internet, engineers, developers never knew needed to exist. No one thought in the early 90s that commerce and financial services would take place on blockchain technology. All it is, is the internet financial system with currencies native to the internet. Speaking of um, blockchain, you just mentioned that it's been around for a while, Kathy. Is there anything that you're paying attention to? Has anything sort of changed or developed there? Well, what what changed this year, and I'll, I'll focus on uh, Bitcoin first, was during the regional bank crisis in the U.S. in March, 
it was very interesting to see and watch Bitcoin appreciate as the regional bank index was imploding. So Bitcoin went from 19,000 to nearly 30,000, up 50%. What does that tell us about Bitcoin now? Most people understand or believe it is a risk on asset, uh, meaning it does well when the appetite for taking risk picks up. Now we have evidence that it is also a flight to safety vehicle, or in Larry Fink's words, a flight to quality vehicle. That is very, very interesting. That's better than gold, actually. This is digital gold in a way, but it's better than gold because when risk appetite picks up, it usually leaves the gold in a more subdued mode, you know, cash leaves and moves into other assets. That doesn't happen with uh, Bitcoin. So that was that was very interesting. The other thing that has happened is, yes, we're seeing institutional players setting up to embrace this new asset class. And why do they have to do that? Uh, because a new asset class technically is a diversifier and should, with an allocation, increase returns per unit of risk, thanks to the diversification. And so when we see BlackRock embracing it now in a partnership with Coinbase, that's a big difference from three, I think it was just three years ago, Larry Fink was talking in, shall we say, less positive ways about the crypto movement generally. And then we have someone like Stanley Druckenmiller, a very well-known um, and well-regarded uh, asset manager, who is basically saying, you know, I own gold, I don't own Bitcoin, but I should... I probably should own Bitcoin because it is now a brand. It's a brand. Think about that. And he's basically talking about this in the way that Warren Buffett would, uh, but Charlie Munger will have nothing of this. So I don't think Warren goes near this territory right now. Okay, yeah, good points, especially on the diversification. Um, Kathy, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Welcome back. My guest for the show has been Kathy Wood of ARK Investment Management. Um, Kathy, we've been talking about um, all things tech and innovation. We know how a lot of companies are preparing for this tech trends. How are regulators preparing for it? And especially when it comes to protecting investors and, and consumers. And I guess the second part of that is, is regulation key for investors to embrace the trend? Well, we've had some very good examples here with blockchain technology, for example, and then and then we can get into AI. I think Canada has done this a lot better than the US from a regulatory point of view. We are still waiting for a spot Bitcoin uh, ETF. And I've been puzzling over it because what's happened here is a lot of blockchain related innovation has been chased away because of the lack of clarity here in the US. I think that's about to change. I do think we're going to get a spot Bitcoin ETF, and that will be the seal of approval, the SEC seal of approval that will motivate or uh, or be the last obstacle um, that, that they'll overcome in terms of moving into this new asset. 
I think that's a, a lesson. Here in the United States, the judicial system and the legislative branch have had to get involved. So that's the good thing about checks and balances, but it's taken a while. Um, in terms of uh, artificial intelligence and just looking at uh, the executive order that President Biden put out a few weeks ago, our fear is that it's going to shut down the open source AI movement. And if you look at the performance increases of the private models, large language models versus the open source large language models, uh, the actual performance today, the privates like OpenAI, the best, GPT-4, no one's beating it right now. However, if you look at the slope of improvement, it does appear that open source is improving faster than closed source. And we saw the drama over the last week with OpenAI throwing out Sam Altman. And, you know, I can only imagine enterprises that have flocked to OpenAI because of its link with Microsoft saying, wait a minute, what's going on? We Are we leaving our financial future and technology future in the hands of this unstable situation? Uh, and that's why I think Sam is back at OpenAI because Microsoft wanted it and all of the investors wanted it. But it has put a question mark in the minds of enterprises. Wait a minute, this is not as stable. There are real people involved here. When you meaning centralized leadership, whereas open source is not centralized. It's very decentralized. It's like a giant neighborhood watch. And developers develop to an open source ecosystem because they want to do something that other ecosystems won't let them do, or they want to raise their uh, visibility and status within the community. Um, that's how Linux uh, got started. And it is now powering our data centers at a lower cost than otherwise would have been the case. And so we believe that this executive order could hamper the open source movement and leave the movement in the hands of those with the big money, the big platforms. I think the legislative branch will get involved here as well. And so it will take time. And we think open source standards-based movements are healthier for the development of an ecosystem uh, and and the speed of development of an ecosystem. And we're not saying there should not be regulation. We that for every new technology that comes out, there are nefarious use cases. And you know, Elon Musk and others believe that there this could uh, be the category killer in terms of nefarious uh, nefarious use cases. But I do think an open source movement will be more on guard. It's decentralized. You have so many people guarding their livelihoods here. They're looking out for the bad actors and pointing them out to the government as bad actors. So that's the only thing we are concerned about right now. You know, Kathy, you, you hit on something. And so for those investors that are watching, what would you say to them? And I and I ask this because I do get concerned. You know, we, we've seen incidences where there is FOMO and, you know, and, and you see investors jumping into the hot trends and they haven't done their homework. And I think more importantly, they don't have a strategy. Right. Um, well, you know, most investors, if they're not working in our business, if they're not at BMO, uh, thinking 100% of the time about how to allocate prudently and appropriately 
to whether it's a new asset class like crypto or to AI and where within AI do they buy NVIDIA? That seems to be the most uh, popular way to invest. But as uh, we've seen from NVIDIA with its earnings report, I mean, they reported spectacular spectacular growth rates that no one else is reporting. But now people are saying, wait a minute, given what's happened with open AI and all of the debates uh, raging, maybe those growth rates are going to slow down a lot more than people think. So that is why we feel safer. And I think the advisors feel safer having a much more diversified exposure to AI, including not only AI and other hardware stocks like AMD, but also software stocks like UiPath in the robotics uh, process automation space, Twilio in, uh, in the marketing communication space, or companies that actually have data that no one else has, like Teladoc in the telemedicine space. Uh, so I think most advisors are looking for a diversified way to harness this, what we believe will be a massive opportunity in AI, but there are diversified ways to play it. I couldn't agree more. You've um you've made some bold calls, Kathy, and and you know this high conviction aspect has created some volatility. If you look at you know Ark Innovation earlier this year, a lot of investors bailed, but they're all coming back now. I want to get your thoughts on just how it made you feel, the the ups and downs. Did it ever make you doubt your strategy? Uh- Actually not. We go through, of course, uh, we redouble our efforts on making sure our assumptions, the assumptions we're making in our research are correct. So it's a very healthy exercise. How do I feel? We have the courage of conviction in our research. So I feel, wow, we're getting great opportunities. And we usually concentrate our portfolios towards our higher conviction names. What does unsettle me is what you just said earlier, investors leaving us at the bottom missing a big move, and then getting in. Now, we went down so much in 21 and 22 uh, that we simply, even after this year's nice move to the upside, we simply look like we're in a a basing range. Uh, And whenever there's a long base, and I think we're in a long base period here, typically what happens in the market, that's a setup. It's a bulls and bears debating each other. And what's going to happen either is a breakout of a a trading range or a breakdown from a trading range. We, of course, now consider the source, but we, of course, think there's a breakout brewing uh, because our technologies are ready for prime time. But uh, again, as you asked me how I feel, it's more about how I feel for our clients, and I do. And that's why we're out there all the time willing to go out when the markets are are getting crushed and our stocks are under great pressure. That's even more important a time for us to get out and, and describe the depth of our research and the depth of our conviction as well. Kathy, how do you manage risk? Because I think there's an important lesson here, right? As much as you do your hallmark and research, as much as anybody does, you can't get everything right. Um, So how do you manage risk? Yes. So when many people ask me that question, they are making the assumption, I know you're not, but they are making the assumption that ARC is a generalist portfolio manager. Generalist meaning can touch any part of the market, can move into defensives, can move into energy, can move into uh, staples. But you have mandates. 
Right. And so all we are focused on is truly disruptive innovation. So we should be a slice of a a portfolio. With that said, how do we manage risk? When the markets start, when we enter a bear market uh, because of interest rates going up or what have you, we will start concentrating our portfolio towards our highest conviction names for a couple of reasons. First of all, we have a scoring system, a six metric scoring system uh, that speaks loudly. But second, what happens is we're typically creating a tax loss and buying another stock that is also down. Uh, So we're creating a tax asset over time against which we can take future gains. And what's also happened because of the scoring system, we've noticed that when we concentrate and we went in our flagship strategy ARKK from 57, 58 names in 21, that's in the US, uh, to 27 names at the low, and now we're back over 30. What we find is we tend not to go back to, let's say, 50% of the names that we've sold simply because we don't have as high a conviction. And those tend to be good sales. At least 50% of them tend to be very good sales. So that's one measure of risk control. And then when we get into a bull market, the opposite of what I just described, we know that our portfolios are volatile. So what we will do when the market thinks that we can do no wrong, that is a signal that we need to diversify into cash-like innovation names like Apple or Meta Platforms. Now, we're not doing that. We've, we have uh, bought some meta platforms, but that's for truly fundamental reasons. The pivot away from the metaverse towards AI was very important there. But for the most part, we'll be looking for cash-rich innovation names because we will want to use those and sell them as we move into another, say, correction or bear market, uh, because we know that the names into which we concentrate are going to be have much more upside than the names we're selling. Kathy, we're almost out of time. Last thoughts for, for investors who are looking to dip into the innovation space. What's your advice to them? What should they be paying attention to? Well, I think maybe the reason they want to move into the innovation space is they see the ground shifting underneath them in their own personal lives, and they and they know they're not exposed to it in the traditional broad-based benchmarks. And so you have to consider the source, but uh, um, I, I do think diversifying into other innovation strategies that have names not in the big benchmarks, and most of our strategies fit into that category, will be very important because, again, diversification of anything is a good thing, but especially in the innovation world, when we believe there's going to be a lot of super exponential growth opportunities, but they will come at the expense of disrupting or disintermediating some of the names in the broad-based benchmarks. So we're certainly a good diversifier at ARC. And I think most people, most investors are short, truly disruptive innovation. And so this is a way to solve that problem. Thanks so much for your time, Kathy. Now, before I let you go, I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. A lot of my guests don't know about this, but pretty uh, straightforward questions. Are you ready for it? Yes. Okay. What is the best financial advice you've ever received? The best financial advice I've received is 
not to look at portfolios day to day and to have a longer term point of view because the day to day, and this I learned very early on, can exact an emotional toll. If you're in our industry, there are all kinds of things that can happen in the short term. But if you keep your eye on the prize and you're with uh, advisors that you trust will put you in the right set of diversified opportunities over time, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Diversification is the key. You know, long-term eye on the ball is so important. Kathy, what's the worst financial advice you've received? Well, this happened in actually May of 2019. And uh, we were big bulls on Tesla and we had the research to support our point of view. But the advice I was getting was from friends and they were saying, you're ruining your reputation. You should sell. You should take some risk off the table. And that was exactly the wrong time to do it. Now, I didn't take the advice, but these were friends and there were people who had been in the industry for years and they were caring about me personally and and my reputation and Arc's reputation as a fairly new company. So that I can truly say today would have been the worst piece, not only of investment advice, but business advice, because Tesla helped to put us on the map. And that's why research and conviction is so important, right? They go hand in hand. Last question. So I come across a lot of people, Kathy, who fear investing. They think it's gambling or they just don't have really any interest in it. What's your advice to them? Well, my advice is to look at history. And if you look at history, cash has tended to return over the full arc of history, something in the 3% range, fixed income in the 5 to 6% range, equities in the 7 to 8% range, maybe a little bit more than that. And I can understand why people are saying, well, look, I'm, I'm getting 5% on my cash now. That is not going to last if we're right that prices are going to start falling and deflation is going to be the bigger concern. I think the Fed's going to pivot. So those cash, those interest rates will come down. And as they come down, that will be very positive for the longer duration assets like bonds and stocks. And so you'll get higher than average returns from bonds and stocks as cash returns go down. All right, Kathy, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on Strictly Money. Thank you, Sejal. Uh, I was delighted to be invited and really happy to speak with your audience. So thank you. Kathy Wood of ARC Investment Management. Well, that wraps up this edition of Strictly Money. If you are like millions of Canadians who want to prioritize your financial health and stay informed, then be sure to tap on the subscribe button and follow us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow along through Spotify. We'll see you back here next week. Until then, stay well, stay wise, and stay wealthy.